the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to another BTP Cold Football CFB promotion. This is uh, Phil Brown here, John Henry, with Cobus here, Thomas Baden, and I must say, delighted to be joined here with Aberdeen legend, Scottish football legend, uh, lovely human being. Of course, he's also a terrific football manager as well, Alex McLeish. Uh, first of all, Alex, how you doing, mate? Yes, I'm good, guys, you know, in these bizarre, strange times. Um, getting plenty of exercise in and making sure that um, when when we're free to walk about the streets again, then, uh, you know, everything's going to be in working order. Yes, it's uh, oh, it's different all over the world. Um, where I'm out here in Los Angeles, Callum is in Scotland, and you're in London, so hopefully uh, life returns back to normal. When life does return back to normal, like, what's on the agenda for you? What um, What's next for you, mate? Do you want to get back into football management, or what's... what's yeah, well, I think maybe I've had enough of the firefight. You know, over the last fifteen, sixteen years, it's been—it's not easy when you, you know, you're you're trying to save money and keep people in Premier League and all that yeah. stuff. And, um, and then, and, and of course, Rangers had the downturn in terms of um, when we we had to reduce the wages. So all the, all these these kind of things, you know, can can bum you out a wee Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. If I was going to be coming back into the game, I, I would love to help with um, you know a, a young manager or a manager and go backstage, you know, do a sporting director job or a role like that. Um, I, I think I've got enough experience to do that. Definitely, as you've said there, you've, you've got the experience, you've managed at club level, at various club levels, um, the Premier League in Scotland, the national team twice. Just to touch on that second spell with the national team, there was a lot of criticism came your way, as you know. But you got you won the nation league, nations league group, which gives Scotland as a nation the chance to qualify for those Euros. And also, when your successor came in, he also had what you would call potentially a slow start. Do you think now, with the beauty of hindsight, that you were unfairly criticised? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think. Um... You know, right from the off, the get-go, I, I was kind of struggling because we lost the first game to Costa Rica, and and I, I said it before, uh, you know, when, before I picked the team, that I was going to try a lot of younger players, do an experimental phase. Now in that game, you know, we, there's two or three chances for us to to at least get a draw, but. There was criticism right away, you know, uh, heavy, and, and, and uh, then we went on to the next game and played a friendly in Hungary within three or four days after that, and made a good performance, one one nil in Hungary, and uh, you know I was told not to get carried away, you know, so um, <laughs> you know I, I just couldn't win, I didn't think, and you know there was there was um, a lot of. Uh, anti yeah, I like McLeish for some reason, but um, my my record over the years has been pretty good. And sometimes you don't get the credit you deserve. And and it's great that the team have the chance of the the playoffs. Um, that that was really my my first goal. Uh, and then of course the group stage was was um, to prove a little bit tough. For my my particular role 
as, as a Scotland boss. Do you feel, I mean, when I look at the, the squad there, Alex, it, it, it's probably better than the Irish squad, and yet I'm wondering why doesn't Scotland perform to the same level? Do you feel that you were let down by one or two players, or did you have the support of all the players? No, I don't think that they, I can, I wouldn't point, I've never thrown players under a bus, and uh, I'm not going to be about to start now, but I, you know, as I said, we were experimenting, so therefore, mm-hmm. when you get a bunch of guys and you, you're trying them, and a lot of them haven't played with each other for the first time, on paper, they've been doing well for their clubs, um, and then you throw them in, in, in a game for the first time, and yeah, it's it's not you're not going to solve everything in that particular one game. It's just to get an idea and see if some of them can step up. And you know that's what I've done. Gordon was very close to getting qualification and just missed out of the death. And you know there was a few players that he had that, that were injured after that, and one or two who were kind of verging on the the older side. So I felt for for at least that six um, six months the Mexican trip. We played Peru as well. Uh, the, these were games that I could look at all the players that the press had really kind of uh, highlighted over mm-hmm. over those those months. Um, but then, then um, you know, getting to the, the the little group stage, losing in Israel was was uh, I, I got a lot of criticism for that. But the only thing that mattered to me at that time and the players was to make sure that we get through and and got the chance of the playoffs that was that was the the first goal um and you know we did that and the the group stage i felt was always going to be pretty tough with the russians doing so well at the world cup and looking really strong and of course um you know there was there was no chance we were going <laughs> to beat the the top team um, home and away, so it was it was good for for um, the the introduction of a lot of young player younger players and gave us a chance to get. And in many ways, I kind of sacrificed myself a wee bit. Yeah. And in terms of your reign early on, one of the first things that you did was was name Andy Robertson Scotland captain. Just how good was he to work with? And and also on that point. How would you solve the conundrum of Robertson and Tierney long term? Oh goodness, I know. Well, that was that was a tough one because uh, you know I, I obviously did the three at the back and, and we with with Tierney in mind at left centre back and uh, we we had a, a really unusual combination of Tierney overlapping Andy Robertson at times and Andy going inside and then and then Tierney coming up. So so it was quite. Um, uh, a, a positive kind of combination in the, in the three at the back, although the press, you know, were, were never really with me on it. Um, but you know, we played Albania, a two 0 victory, and the, that night they played extremely well together. And then, um, you know, when I'm looking at Sheffield United getting a promotion to the Premier League, the, then I see the, the Chris there, you know, the gaffer. Mm-hmm. Is is um, doing the same thing with centre back and left back. He's got his centre back overlapping the left back, and you know I'm, I'm saying not that I, po- I stole it from him, but he had great success with that. And you never know had Tierney remained fit that uh, things could have you know been um, 
well, could have, could have improved. But I did make my mind up um, after Israel to change the formation to four. And I'd spoken to Tierney about actually playing in the right-back position. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want the kid to, to feel negative about it, but he, he he was right up for it. He was ready to do it. And unfortunately, you know, he got injured at the time. And we, I would have played about the, played the same four-three-three that I played in those two playoff games, and Tierney um, would have been right back. And 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 you know, to justify that, then I, you know, watched one of the games. Uh, Gordon was in charge of, um, I think it was Lithuania. And Tierney played it right back. So, in, in actual fact, in the back five, I think everybody was a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> so even the goalkeeper. So um, that was quite quite an unusual combination. But Tierney was excellent in, in that particular game, and thought they, you know, if we've, we've not really solved the right back position because we didn't have, you know, one outstanding candidate. There was a lot of guys vying for the position, but. Uh, Tierney would have been playing that that particular game. Let me ask you about the future of Scottish football. It's always a hot topic. I look at some of the young players coming through. Some of them have already broken through. Of course, you've got young Billy Gilmore. You've got Mickey Johnson coming through, who's, who's had a fantastic season at Celtic. You've, of course, got McTominay, who's a fantastic young midfielder. You've Tierney and Andy Robertson as well. Is the future brave for Scottish football um, than any previous year than we've looked at since the 80s, where Scotland had magnificent players? Yeah, you, you, you know, when you look back then, you, you think of the the amount of strikers we had, the yeah. amount of centre-halves we had, um, some some excellent midfielders. Now we seem to have, you know, a, a real lot of midfielders. You know, there's a lot of them on the scene. You know, the, the John McGann, McTominay, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, four or five others. Um, Centre-backs is, is maybe, you know, been a little bit of a problem for us. And... Um, you know, back in the day, I was trying to oust Gordon McQueen, you know, and pe- people like that. Uh, Wally Miller and I ended up with a long partnership because the partnership of the two of us was better than maybe me playing with Alan Hansen, who was an absolutely wonderful footballer, yeah. and playing centre-half. And, um, you know, arguably you would say he was the best uh, footballer of, of the three. But um, the combination of Wally and I... Was was very strong, so the the they was looking for these kind of solutions, and we're just a, a wee bit short up front. We we brought Ollie McBurney and Ollie in Ollie in that yeah. Costa Rica game actually t- two or three chances where, if I think back in, in my days, Bo Johnson or Ali McCoyst would have um, buried these ones, and, and it would have been good for Big Ollie to have got off to a flyer, and uh, and but at the same time. You know he's he's uh, there or thereabouts just now. He's playing in the Premier League, and he's still only like I think twenty one, twenty two. So you know he's he's a candidate for Steve Clark and uh, amongst one or two others. Well, I want to talk to you also about your your former club Rangers. How do you think Stephen Gerrard will be able to to prepare the club for next season when Celtic are going for ten in a row? Because the the pressure is going to be on big time. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I'm sure you know Steve has been at Ibrox long enough now to know the demands of the fans and the expectations of the fans. 
and it's difficult to to go through uh, such a period of time where you you don't um, secure a trophy at Rangers. You're expected to win every one of them, and Celtic likewise. Um, Stevie has, I think, handled things very well. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm disappointed, and as equally disappointed um, as he will be at, at uh, the, you know, the way they started the second half of the season after having come back from the break. So that that was um, a real disappointment to see them letting letting it slip away. Losing, you know, a couple of points here and there, and Celtic continuing to win every week. So you have to hand it, and a lot of credit to Celtic. But Steve will be be gutted that he couldn't he couldn't um, keep this chase going, you know, and and break to the end of the season, which is what I thought was going to happen after the victory at Parkhead. Uh, Alex, I wanted to ask you about a young player that's been making headlines at one of your former clubs, uh, Birmingham. I'm not sure how much you know about him, but Jude Bellingham. He's a young kid that um, lots of people yes. have been talking about. Uh, have you had a chance to keep to, to keep a close eye on this kid? How highly would you rate him, and where would you recommend he moves to next? Well, yes, uh, he, he has some precocious talent, and um, you know, having seen him in action, it, it just. It, it, He's like a free fall football, you know. He, he's got such such um, great uh, skill and ter- technique in terms of his swerve and his change of feet. And, and where should he go next? Goodness, um, one of the big big guns will, will surely poach him. But uh, you know, it, it may be it, it will be prob- impossible for Birmingham to, to hold on to him. With the the kind of offers that uh, the Premier League offer, would you um, advise him to go to United or Dortmund? Where would you advise him to go? Would, 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 would advise him to go? I don't know. Stick stick with the Blues and go come down come down to London here and <laughs> play with Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Another um, player who's very very highly spoken about another former club of yours, Aston Villa, Jack Grealish. Many people are yes. speculating that he could join the likes of a Manchester United, one of the bigger clubs in England in terms of going for titles, Champions League places, etc. Do you think Jack can handle that pressure at this stage in his career? Well, I think he's maturing all the time, you know, and okay, he had a wee incident a few weeks ago and in terms of the lockdown, but you know, the the boys are human, and uh, they, they sometimes have aberrations, but it helps to make them a better uh, person all round. And you know, I know Jack, and I know his dad, and we we negotiated the new deal for him when I was at Villa. You know, where where academy guy, and and um, you know, it was un- unprecedented kind of money that that Jack had. had um, his agent had asked for on the table, and we we said <laughs> we've got to keep him because someday you know this guy could could make you a fortune and 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 win your trophies or whatever. And uh, you know I know Jack would love to do that because he's well through and through. But at the end of the day, one of the big guns is is going to poach him, and he, he's, he has a, a tremendous talent. What is what is his best position, Alex? Is he on the left side of a midfield three, a playmaker? Um, if you, how, what would, how would you play him in a midfield? Yeah, I that, that's that's a um, moot point um, because he I, I think he's almost like a 
okay, we talk about the the number ten uh, role, and you, you, they used to say, "Oh, that's that's for lazy players, players that don't want to come back and defend and all that stuff." But but the number tens we've seen in this world and world football over the years have been absolutely, you know, quite spectacular. Um, you know, the Platinis and and you know Jack. He's got the work rate. I don't think he would be a lazy one. Um, so maybe just start pick, picking up little pockets just between midfield and back four is where he could be his most dangerous. As a Scot who played 77 times for the national team, managed it in two, in two occasions as well, I've got to ask you about Billy Gilmore. Just how impressed have you been by him and do you think Scotland should call him up to the senior squad soon? Yeah, well, well, Steve, Steve Clark will have a, an idea about you know how he wants to play, and um, you know, definitely you know, one of the things we we have to do is stop uh, silly goals, and Steve will will do his utmost to to show that up. Um, but Gilmore is he's going to get in there at, at some stage, you know, and that's up to Steve. But there's no doubt about what we've seen so far in, in the big time football that he's just got a natural intelligence for football, and and that is something that is that's been very rare in, in our game for a long time. You know, there's a lot, as I said, a lot of great young midfielders just now, John McGinn's, and so you imagine. Yeah, we we Gilmore linking up with these guys in a couple of years' time. Alex, you've had a fantastic career. You've worked with some of the biggest clubs. You look at what you did at Birmingham, quite frankly, it was fantastic. The best finish in 50 years. You won the League Cup. Then you went to Villa. Massive football club, but a football club that wasn't investing anymore. Uh, a football club yes. whose reputation was and, and expectation was greater than what was being invested. When you look back at going to Villa, do you have any regrets there? Well... You know, people say they have regrets. It's already done. So, so you, you look back, and I, I tend to say that I would always probably have regretted no, no doing it um, yeah. because uh, one, for for a couple of reasons. Well, one of the reasons was you know I felt that um, my Birmingham time was up, and um, you know I, I wanted to. Bring my own players in. The, the owners had different ideas, and and um, you know I thought right, I've, I've got to go. I need to to yeah, leave now, right now. And then Villa came in, and I'm thinking, oh goodness, not across the city uh, is it Rangers and Celtic? <laughs> and and I guess um, you, you think nothing's like Rangers and Celtic, but honestly, the rivalry between Birmingham and Villa is very similar, and and I underestimated that, but. I, I still don't regret it. I did take on another kind of firefight challenge because I had to reduce wages between the, the, the start of my contract and the, the end of the season. You know, not not um, the two year. No, it was a rolling contract. So um, again, every week, you know, I was doing doing accountancy and sums, and um, you know, trying to make 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 ends meet, and make sure. That the club were going to meet, reach these targets, but also to stay in the, the blooming Premier League. So I, I think that's pretty nigh impossible nowadays to to um, 
save what I saved that season and stay in the league uh, nowadays. Um, so it would have been nice to have got a wee crack at uh, a few bob to spend at one or two of the clubs, but yeah. that's, that's why that's why my, my head needs a rest. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> two experiences as well that I imagine were completely different to the others you're used to, managing at Genk and then Zamalite. Talk us through those experiences. Yeah, Genk was great. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the Genk, the Genk experience, Belgium, because of being an advocate of the Belgian game for you know all, all through my my kind of career and of when I was when I was coaching and managing Mullerwell and Hibs Rangers and even Birmingham, I was making trips to Belgium to to watch players. They they always seemed to unearth uh, some tremendous players. They had good access to. Uh, some terrific African players, uh, and of which many um, have have gone on to, you know, top the uh, draw um, teams and stuff. So um, yeah, the, the Belgium experience, the, the, the great training centre we had. It was a re academy was right across the road from the stadium. I frequently went to watch. Alec Gray was with me, and I fre we frequently went to watch the young players. And again, you know, here we go again. I'm sorry if I'm saying what I brought down record, but uh, they they had said to me at the beginning of the season, it's a transitional, right. <laughs> it's a transitional <laughs> season for us. I think they must have looked up my CD and said, you know, <laughs> he, he trained as an accountant. Huh? You know? <laughs> so so um, they said, look, transitional season, if you sell anybody, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the, the money to... To bring someone in, uh, and, and you know, so that was the way it was working. We had um, some great young players, and I didn't hesitate in playing them. And uh, some of them have ended up at terrific clubs. Um, you, you know, even bigger than Genk. Um, you know, Sergei Malinkovic, Savage. Mm -hmm. I, I had him. I introduced him into the team. There was a few things that he, he was just a kid, so he's not got all the answers and. Uh, we went over some video work, and he was very receptive. And he he ended up I couldn't leave him out of the team. And now he's subject of to a hundred million pound transfers and yeah. things. You know, he's he's played with uh, Lazio, Lad, uh, and uh, so else. Uh, yeah, it, then the only guy that I did bring in that season, and it, it wasn't. I'm, I'm not claiming that I spotted him. Uh, we paid a hundred thousand euros for him. The the board were kind of dallying a wee bit with him, and the chief scout said to me, "Look, if, if they don't get this boy by January, they could miss out on him." So the, the you know the the chief scout gave me the the lowdown on him. Let me see some footage, and I said, "Oh wow, really? Rather quick, this this young guy." And uh, his name is Wilfred Ndidi, um, yeah. plays for Leicester now. So again. I don't know, 15 million. I think I should have become an agent or something. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, so Wilfred uh, and I quickly introduced him into the team because we we were desperately short of players who had actually gone away to play in the the Nations Cup of Africa. Then <laughs> and, and I played Wilfred in his debut uh, at, at left back, and the kids ran up and down for 78 minutes or something, and he got severe cramp, you know, and. Uh, you, you know, then I, I left at the end of the season anyway, and the coach changed them to the the holding, so they 
well done the coach but uh, Alec Ray and I spoke about playing him in that kind of position because we didn't feel that he was quite tall enough to be a centre half you know and be a dominant centre half we, we thought he might have been a, a good guard for the back four and uh, sure enough Gink had done that the next season and the rest is history they approached me about three or four times and and because I, you know, I wasn't working at the time, and um, I, I kind of said no, and I thought, right, they come back again. I thought, you know, these guys are trying. I said, well, we, I did um, kind of look at the, the the logic of maybe going, and it was probably because they, they were a team who had a chance of winning every week. So it was a it was a team I knew I, I was going to have a chance. It wasn't going to yeah, kind of firefighting um, experience again where you know you're not getting any money reducing funds you had a good uh, bunch of players and we you know unfortunately Alali have dominated in there for the last 10 years and I think won the league for a considerably long period of time um, the you know the, the, we were second in the league at the end but um, we also the big thing for them was was getting into the African um, Champions League competition, and we had two games to to overcome a couple of teams, and one was from Algeria, and another one from the Cameroon, and we we won those two games to get into, and, and they went all the way to the final. I'd left the club because um, you know I I just didn't want anybody interfering and trying to pick my team and. And, I, and I'd say, look, you know, let's shake hands. I'm going to go. It's a, I don't kind of compromise for anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went on to the final, I think, and they lost to one of the, I think, the Sundowners of South Africa. Tomorrow, I am interviewing. I have a couple of questions left, Alex, and I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. Uh, we really could have you on here yeah. for hours because there's so much we won't get to ask you about. I'd love to talk to you about an uh, amazing football career, of course, having done so much with Aberdeen in both domestically and Europe. Tomorrow, we are interviewing the son of a legend, someone that you, of course, work with. Uh, we're interviewing Darren Ferguson. And of course, yeah, brilliant. Oh, yep, man. Looking forward to talking to Darren. But you, know, of course, know his father very well. Tell me what your relationship. Do, yes. Tell me what your relationship was like with Fergie. What did you learn from him? And uh, t- tell me all about him. Well, first and foremost, he, he recruited me as the babysitter for the for the twins, you know, <laughs> Darren <laughs> and Jason. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the relationship was good, and uh, I, I was actually in the reserve dressing room when Alec Ferguson arrived at Aberdeen, and. Um, it was maybe a few months before I broke through into the first team. He, he, he gave me a kind of particular role. Willie Garner and Willie Muller were, were the centre-backs at the time and he gave me a midfield role where he told me to, hey, I want you to be a scarf around Tommy Burns' neck. You know, I don't want, want him to get a kick at the ball. So, I, in essence, I was man-marking Tommy Burns and following him everywhere in the game and just keeping it simple and it, it, it was a successful victory for us in, in, a, in a big game, and, and obviously a big game for Sir Alex when when he was trying to make his his mark in, in management. But you know, he was he was good with a with a little tips, you know, a little we we would would call on you know the fine details, and 
And um, for instance, I'll give, I'll give you an example. When if um, we were playing at Rangers and Celtic, I wanted us to go down there and not have any fear, like a lot of teams do when they, as soon as they step on the pitch against these these um, magnificent legendary teams uh, or clubs. And we say, right, if the ball goes out for, for a throw-in, run, run and get the ball and throw it quickly. And, and you get a free, quick, free kick, put your hand on the ball, take it quickly because they're used to teams coming down and, and wasting time against them, you know, and just walking to get the ball at throw-ins and stuff. And it was a great little tip because it, it kind of put Rangers and Celtic players on the back foot a wee bit thinking, wait a minute, teams are you normally come here and waste time. Look at this mob, you know, <laughs> and and it gave us a kind of little mental strength, you know, a, a, wee, a wee nudge in terms of the mentality. And and then we, we you know we started to get good results in Glasgow, and you know I, I always remember that it's a very small detailed uh, tip, but it, but it, when you think about it, it, it was actually massive. One of the things I want to talk to you about, based on that, Sir Alex, clearly the the master of psychology. Describe your reaction because I asked Willie this question to the famous McLeish and Miller won the cup after the cup final, uh, the Scottish Cup final. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that, that's a great story because um, and I, I know that we all embellish it a wee bit. We Gordon tells good tales about it as well. Um, but I, I had actually stayed out with the base of the cup on on the, the after the final whistle, so I missed the, the rant, uh, the boss's rant, and the and and in the dressing room. I know that he did that famous one in the telly. But he, he had to go at the players in the dressing room, and I was going around the, with the base, and I, I went to the disabled section, and we got photos taken with a lot of the people in there, and I just well, I was milking it, you know. The boys were already inside, and when I went in, the dressing room was absolutely in silence, and and it was you know it was a it was terrible atmosphere walking into that, and because I've sh- I've run in with the base, go ah oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. And we got up and was there. I says, I says, what's up? Anyway, the gaff, Evan Gaffer, he's, he's through the back there, and, and, and uh, he's just gone through to the, the bathrooms and that. He says, he just slaughtered us all, told us that we were murdered, and that you and Wally won the cup. I says, oh, that's all right then. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I'm all right. <laughs> uh, I'm quite happy at that. But no, um, it, it was uh, just a, a wee kind of bit of rapport to get the boys trying back on side again. And, uh, you know, the boss, to be fair to him, next morning he called us all together. We, we were away at a hotel overnight with that for dinner and, and uh, some drinks for with the success of the cup. And I think it was made big Glen Eagles or something. And. He gathered us in, in the morning and apologised. Um, he says, look, uh, I've maybe just um, overstepped it a wee bit and, you know, I'm demanding too much at times. So, but, listen, we were all the better for for it, for having Alec Ferguson in our lives. Uh, um, I, I want to ask you quickly, tell me about what the night of the Cup Winners' Cup final, uh, because fantastic achievement. Well, tell, me, tell me what that night was like for you. 
Well, it was amazing. Um, it, it was an absolutely dismal night in terms of the rain. It had been raining, I think, possibly the whole day, and it never ceased, and the pitch was sodden. We were doing a warm-up, and I, you know, I famously come in and said to the guys, look, if you're going to make passes, guys, it's just going to stick in the water. You need to chip, try and get your foot under it and, and make sure that it hits your target, your teammate, or whatever. Um, and and unfortunately, uh, in the game, I just instinctively turned, in those days, obviously, the goalies could pick the ball up, and I turned instinctively to pass it back to Big Jim. <laughs> And and it stuck in the water. Um, I didn't chip it, but but it was just you know there was no no really any time to kind of process it through my brain. But um, I passed passed it ninety nine times out of hundred that would have been okay, safe in his hands. But it stuck in the water, and uh, and the, the striker went round Jim, and Jim brought him down penalty. That was the equalising goal. Um, but my my um, get out of jail card was making Eric Black go, you know, the, mm-hmm. with, with the header for the edge of the box. So, and, and, and in the end, um, because I made that wee mistake, a big mistake could have been, I, I didn't crumble and I, I, you know, I was happy to, to get through the game and um, no put a foot wrong for the rest of it because sometimes that can just destroy you, something like that. Yeah. And Fergie yeah, came in the shower afterwards um, when I was still standing there. He came in, he's, he's, he's suiting that one and he said, I'm proud of what you've done. And yeah, a lot of people could have just um, went to pieces after that. But if I'd have gone to pieces, I'd, I'd have been hooked well before the final whistle. But we we um, had a fantastic night and then just a, a night never, never to forget. Incredible, unbelievable. Uh, Calum, have you got one a more wee, for me, a wee, a, Sorry, go ahead. Right a, a wee, a wee diddy team from um, the, the Scottish League, you know, to think Aberdeen, you know, um, and a, a small provincial club, Incredible. you know, and uh, yes, so amazing, amazing even, bunch of boys. Even when you think of the league back then, though, you don't the United as well. But in Barcelona, you had just a, it was a fantastic era for Scottish football at that time, and um, I really miss the European football days of whenever it wasn't. It isn't just five or six teams that dominate because of the money. There was party. You'd start Bucharest. You had Red Star Belgrade. You had all these great teams that uh, we don't see anymore uh, because of the money, unfortunately. And uh, exactly, you know, you've you've nailed it. It's the money. The money is um, you know astronomical, and and you'll never see. A big team being toppled again, um, which is, you know, probably time to to try and radically change one or two things. But um, you know, the big ones will always be be the, yeah. the leaders. But but there can be other European competitions. I'm sure that could that, that could be for a level of a, a bunch of teams that who perhaps have a chance of, of maybe winning something, you know, so they can do it at a lower level and, and um, everybody's got their level. I hope so. Calm, um, we've had 35 minutes of Alex time. You got anything left before we go, Matt? Very, very quickly. Someone our listeners might not be aware of, Alex. He's the current Barbados manager. What was it like working with Russell Latipi? <laughs> yeah, Russell was... He was amazing. What a player. Um, yeah, you know, I... I phoned Bobby Robson about him because um, Bobby had him in, when he was in Portugal, and Bobby said uh, he's he's a 
uh, a lovely little guy, cheeky, cheeky little lad, kind of, you know, with the banter and all that, and the soul of the dressing room. He says, but he can play, and uh, he, you know, he, he's a magician with, the, with a football at his feet, and that was enough for me. But not, not only that, you know, to, to kind of, I, I tried to be as thorough as I could and do as much diligence as I could in, uh, back in the day, and I asked Russell if he would play in a a friendly game with with Hibs up at Brecon, and it was a horrific night. It was it was actually a bit like um, uh, Gothenburg, you know. And I thought this this wee guy might not fancy this. And Russell absolutely, he said, "No, oh, definitely, I'll come and play that game for you, coach. If you don't, you're not sure. Yes, I'll come." And he was absolutely brilliant on, on that on that wee pitch, and this, this is this is a no-brainer, you know. And my my chairman at the time, um, Rod Peter, you know, I said um, you, you can't miss it in this guy. And thankfully, Russell came, and and we had, you know, one of one of the arguably the best Hibs teams ever, and in, in terms of um, technical football players with Russell Latape and. To, to give you the famous names, Russell Latape, Mixed with Barlain and, and Frank Sozzi, the French internationalist, who won the, the European Cup with Marseille. So th- these three guys and our team just transformed everybody else and uh, gave gave all the other guys a lot of um, confidence and, and, and it, it also inspired them to give off their best guys like John O'Neill, you know, and, and we Ulrich Larsson from, from um, Denmark. So um, amazing um, player we Russell Latipe was, and then and then um, we, at the end, you know, he kind of left. He wanted to go to Rangers or Celtic, and I was a bit annoyed with him. And then I think he was probably he couldn't believe it when I walked into Ibrox as a Rangers manager. <laughs> 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 he's, he's sitting in the dressing room going, "Oh no, I don't know, please, I've got him back again." <laughs> Awesome. But no, I have nothing but praise for Russell, and he's um, just just a, a he was a master of of the, the football. Alex, you've been so generous with your time, absolute football legend. But twenty questions on this page, I never get to ask. I'd really love to get you back sometime. I won't torture you, but um, I hope you get back in the football soon, and hopefully you get a club that has a few quid that you can spend so that you can actually <laughs> build a team and not be asked to, to dismantle a team. Um, thank you so yeah, much, mate. Wonderful. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, boys. I think I know a wee bit about recruitment. I would say you too. I would say you know more, than, more more than a wee bit. And uh, I hope so. It is. It's a totally different job when you're given money to spend and you can build something in your own image rather than dismantling something and then taking the blame for it. So uh, it's okay. Well, that, that's it. you know. The, listen, it was great to, to work, go back with Scotland and leave. Hopefully, the the, the wee open door for the. The, the Euros, uh, despite it being quite a tough gig for me, you know, and um, you know, the, the, as I said, it, not not all the press um, hated me, but <laughs> there was a few a few um, didn't like it. But anyway, here we are, and we move on. Well, I don't know, understand how anyone can hate a human being for doing a job. I mean, it doesn't. I don't understand that. Uh, they don't realise you're a human being and your family and. Some people go over the top of things, but um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. True football legend, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. You've always been so kind to do this show for me, so uh, I'd love to get you back. Hey, team, pal. 
Anything, thank, folks. Thank you so much, Matt. Cheers, Alex. See Thank you, you very okay, much. Okay, boys. Right, Cheers, Matt. Go on. Bye.